Well, there is a profound move of the Spirit upon the earth right now. It's a quiet revival, a deep heart challenge to draw people back to the centrality of Christ and the authenticity of how it's lived out. Do you get a hold of that? It's centrality of Christ where he is the head of his church and it is not our church. It is his church. And two, that it's authentic. It's not dead religion. It's not corporate. It's none of that stuff. It's truly authentic religion. Relationship with Christ and his people. If you scan Amazon, you'll see a plethora of books on the church in crisis. I, I just, I picked one out because I'm like, what? This is like incredible. I ordered like 10 of them this morning. It's called The Church Crisis. And I'm going to just summarize what this book is about. But my point is, books always tend to share what's happening in culture. It's kind of like, you know, otherwise it wouldn't sell, right? If it wasn't relevant, it wouldn't sell. So one really fun thing to do all the time is look at the bestsellers, look at the things on Amazon, and you kind of find out where the heart of a community or culture is. So the, the church of God, which includes all denominations and persuasions of the faith, is in crisis that appears to have no ready solution. The church's response to the crisis has, for the most part, been a general resignation and acceptance of the way things are with course changes aimed at coping rather than contesting the social, cultural, and political changes that have occurred in the world. But it has not worked, and it will not work, for it is not what God in his word says to do. We have become ineffective laborers in his vineyard and have not produced the fruit that God wants his church to produce. The church as a whole has lost touch with God and become our church. That is man's church, not God's. It has failed to uphold its core principles and values because it has forgotten whose church it is. It is, in effect, stood in the way of its own progress instead of confronting and admonishing popular behavior in terms of the moral code of the Bible. It is relaxed to the moral code to accommodate popular behavior. God's standards have not changed, but we have changed. His standards to suit ourselves. In times past, society followed the direction of the church. Now the church follows the direction of society. Wow. What an incredible summation of the accuracy of where we are today. And you know, as I was looking at the dates some of these books were published, like this, was, this one's a hot off the press type thing, but I came across, I ordered 10 books because I came across like all these books and it's been a, a conversation for 10 years. These same titles flooding the market because, you know, Crossing Life has obviously identified this problem a long time ago. And we've committed to making Christ central and doing everything we can to guide people into authentic, Christ-centered faith. Faith that's lived out in stark contrast to pop Christianity and dead religion across America. Now, to be clear, we are not saying, hold on, you critical spirits, I'm going to just slay you in the spirit realm right now. To be clear, we are not saying that we are some elite church that sees nothing no one else does. There's plenty of others. That's why I shared that it's a popular topic on Amazon. Obviously, if it is, then it's not some elite thing that only 
Sabah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> However, we are pioneers. We are pioneers. And if there's a very small portion of people compared to the mass population that are seeing these things, then we're one of them. We have been for decades. Our gospel message has been unfaltering. Is that the right word? Close. (laughs) And we're blazing the trail back to apostolic tradition, the gospel, authentic faith, right? That doesn't make people comfortable. And then February 19th happens, and it seems to be God's idea as well, because God is saying, like, I am going to return my church back to make me central. And that is all this prayer thing is about, folks. It's not to release the greatest revival the earth has seen. God's going to do that. It's for you and me to come back to Jesus. That is what it's about. Gosh, why has everyone made it so complex? It is simply to return our hearts to God and make him the head of his church instead of it all being centered around us. And we've seen that powerful transformation of the people who have been involved in the prayer blocks. I'm just, I'm blessed because my son Wes is like, he is an outsider in many ways. He hasn't been here for a very long time. And then he got on this painting project and just was helping with our crew, just kind of renovate the whole building, get it ready for us to move in. And he just said, Dad, there is something powerful happening. He'd been around the church just painting. If you watch the live stream, it's kind of funny because it just gets all painted at night because he would work 16-hour days and just really go at it. And it just kind of like, because you can't stop. There's prayer in here all the time. So it's just, it was, blessed me. That was the most powerful image is zooming from day to night back to morning and seeing the whole wall change. (laughs) I just thought it was great. I said, this is prophetic. This is an illustration of what God's doing in the church. Transformation. Total transformation. And so he was just saying, Dad, this isn't about some big move. It's about God's quiet revival in the church, in hearts of people who have lost their way. I just was blessed by that. You know, there's... There was this testimony, you know, we so need God, folks, in the church. And I mean, you might look, and and I, I do believe with all my heart, we have an amazing church. Why? It's not perfect, but I'll tell you there is a hunger, at least in a remnant, that hunger and thirst for God, and they want more. They are not settled and and satisfied with status quo dead religion. They want more. So we have people who push, and they go after God. We We have that. We have a representation of that, and it's growing. We have people who are willing. We have people who, you know, many churches, folks, are big social clubs. You can live like the devil and come to church on Sunday, and woohoo, and everything's great. There, there is a remnant across America, people who actually want to grow in Christ. And it's not about 
duty and rules and legalism. It's about, no, your heart being pliable and being able to have Christ transform you and move upon your heart. Do supernatural miracles. Make all things new. The theme of Scripture. And I shared last, last time, a couple weeks ago, that, you know, there's, we are far underestimating the critical place we are in as a church and as the people of God. We were up in Maine last week preaching at Carmel Crossing, and um, I think it was Stu Greener. Listen to this, Dave Maddie. Stu Greener um, came to me after and, you know, was just saying, Sean, I'm telling you that the thing that God is doing at the crossing with prayer it's so powerful. I said, really? Well, like, why do you say that? He goes, well, you know, often I wake up early in the morning and I tune into Dave Maddie's block because he's here from 430, 4.30 to 6? 4 to 6. And so I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, one morning I tuned him on because I turned... To tune the prayer channel on whenever I can just to listen. And he said, I knew I was the only one on, at least on that, that medium, because I saw one person and I was it at you know, four in the morning. And Dave Maddie started just exhorting. And he said, and he said, it was like electricity shot through me. And the word of the Lord shook into my heart, pierced into my heart. And I went to church and I started just saying, listen, I was tuning into prayer at Wyndham Crossing and it struck my heart. And then God spoke and said, this is for Carmel Crossing. And so I got up and exhorted the church and everyone was just undone by this word that came forth to his heart from Dave at four in the morning during prayer. Folks, listen to me. This is a shining witness and a catalyst for what God is doing in the earth. Now, do we have to pray all through the night? Well, yes. Really, some people are trying to parse it apart and saying, is this all really necessary? Like, like, I almost feel like even the garden did the, or the, the serpent, did the Lord really say? And if you really think about it, folks, like big deal. We have to lose a little sleep. We have to accommodate this thing. We have to, I don't want to get on this. I'm just saying like, like, don't minimize what the Lord is doing because it is powerful. And what you don't know, you don't know the power of your prayers. You don't know what is not happening because prayers are slamming the works of darkness in the face. Really, God is trying to return the church to understand the power of seeking him first. That Christ may become the center of your life and your devotions. Okay, praise the Lord. Preach it. Yes. So, I just know I'm not, don't have much time. I'm trying to decide right here where I want to go. You know, You know, a lot of this, a lot of the centrality of Christ, the real essence of the gospel. Do you know the Bible makes it clear it can be taken from you? Like, 
like that you don't see the gospel clearly, that you become bewitched, that you become, you lose sight of the power and simplicity of Christ and the gospel. It says in Galatians 3, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. You saw it, you witnessed it. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or hearing by faith? Are you so foolish? Wow, a lot of people would be like really offended if I just got in their face with this statement. Like, you are so judgmental. Well, Paul was too. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing of, with faith? You know, when we start talking, we start thinking about all the things that God is doing. And I'll tell you what, folks, the thing that makes this all so complex and not simple is motive. The motive of your heart. What is happening on the inside? The Bible says that no man even knows his own heart. We are apt to deception because we don't know our own heart lest the Holy Spirit reveal it to us. Because we love to rationalize. We love to provide a concoction of justification for things to avoid conviction. And I want to share a little bit of, you know, like when we talk about motive, it means this. It means that if I was thirsty and I said, you know, I'm so thirsty, could someone please get me some water? And one person brings water, a second, a third person brings water. All of them bring water to me. And they all look the same. No one has any facial expression. No one has anything different in their heart. They just come and they all look the same. And so everyone would say, oh, wow, they're all nice people just bringing out of the goodness of their heart to bring water to Sean. But one person is doing it because they want to be seen. They're coming because they want everyone to see that, look at me, I am doing good works. Okay, different motive. Second person comes. I'm coming because, you know, he drives me crazy, but like I'm just supposed to do this. And, you know, if not, I'm going to just be convicted all the time. I'm just going to do the thing. So they come and do it. Very different motive. Someone else comes and they want my approval. They want to be recognized by me, not by others, by me. So they're coming, bring me water. And they're like, I want Sean to see me. I want his love and acceptance. Different motive. Another person comes, and they're like, oh, he asked for water. Lord, could you use me just to express your love to him? I want him to see you through me. Brings me water. So I could go on with all the different things. Last time, I brought someone water or didn't bring water. I was kicked out of the church. I'm going to bring them water. Okay, like you can go on and on with different motives of why people do what they do. The point is, is God is really concerned and he sees everything clearly. You cannot have a facade against God. 
And that's why his spirit is constantly saying, look at your heart. Watch your heart. Do you see that? Your motive needs my ministry. It needs your willingness to submit and be pliable. I want to transform you into the image of the great father. Hmm. One of the most powerful stories is Luke 18, 18, which is this whole story about the rich young ruler. And it, it stirred me so much when I read this over and over. And I preached this actually in Carmel last week and got all kinds of new understanding and insight for it. But I want you to look in your Bibles to Luke 18. We're going to start at 17. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him, Jesus, knelt before him. Says a lot, right? Posture of heart. Asked him, good teacher, what shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to them, teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth. Now, verse 21, looking at him, Jesus showed love to him. Okay, so now we know whatever is going to follow is an expression of love from God to this man. One thing you lack, go sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Now, if we summarize this really simply, the man answered the guy's question in love. And he was deeply dismayed and grieved by the expression of God's love. Ooh, think about that for a second. It's heartbreaking. Yet his question to Jesus suggests that behind a facade of security, there was a heart that lost its security. Now think about this. This guy obviously has kept all the commandments since a youth. So this man is, is pretty good. I mean, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good moral Christian life, right? He's doing pretty well to keep all the commandments. So if he was doing so well, why would he even ask out of insecurity, what must I do to inherit eternal life? See, it's a heart thing. He had everything going right on the outside. Much like some of us, huh? But deep down inside, we're struggling with insecurity because we don't really know who we are and we don't know who God really is. And if we did at one time where we experienced the favor of the Lord and we lived out of that place because we were so confident that like, oh, he loves me. But now we forgot because we've lost sight of first love. 
And because of that, we're insecure and we're saying, Jesus, what, what do I have to do? Concerned with the dimensions of his own piety, he had lost his delight in God. With the result that he lacked the approval of God. Folks, I'm telling you, I think the majority of problems in the church are from these inner things where people have lost their delight in God. They've lost sight of the gospel. They've lost sight of God's intent to powerfully transform a life. They've lost sight of the truth and fallen prey to unbelief and deception. Because if we believe and understand who God really is in fulfillment of accepting the gospel, the full gospel, then we have great confidence. And our heart's not dismayed. We set our sight on him and we're like, God, you are glorious. Our lives are filled with that. Now, if we don't constantly receive this, we become stale, inward focused, self-dependent, and we start suffering as a result. And then in our worst case, we start blaming God or other people. Blame shifting, it's our, it's our expertise, right? Nevertheless, there was an earnestness in this man which Jesus recognized. Jesus saw this man is a thoughtful person. He's coming to me. He's pursuing for whatever reason. And the response of 21, which is one thing you lack, go and sell all, is not intended to shame him by exposing the real depth of the commandments, but it's an expression of genuine love. The one thing he lacks is the self-sacrificing devotion which characterizes every true believer of Jesus. The deepest answer to the question of verse 17, what must I do, is not in the command to sell all. That's secondary. The primary is follow Jesus. And if there's secondary things that keep you from fulfilling the primary, it becomes primary. Hot fire, preach it. <laughs> you know, and God's calling this church out of humanism. This philosophy that humans are central. Everything in humanism places the human as the most important thing in all the universe. The only reason humans are important, folks, is because God made them important. Because the central character in all the universe decided, I want them involved. So now they become very important because of Christ. But humans are not important in the grand scheme of things. We have betrayed God. We have turned against God willfully over and over and over. We have lied. We've deceived others. We've deceived ourselves. We are not these wonderful, important things. But God chose us and gave his life and said, I will now become the sacrifice that makes them perfect, acceptable to the Father. Not anything of their own, 
But then there is this expectation that when you make him your savior, his, you make Jesus the savior and Ooh, the L word. That's a tough one. That means you lose your rights. He is central. Jesus is central. Jesus is central to everything, right? The individual, his thoughts, actions, wisdom of how that person lives is central. Christ is only a compartment in the humanist's life. God, please, I'm outside church now. This is my house now. I get to do what I want today in my space, okay? Back off. Galatians 4.19, my little children, for whom I labor and birth until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be present with you now and change my tone, for I have doubts about you. Gosh, that's not loving. Paul, how did you end up in the Bible? <laughs> Guys, listen, we become so humanistic that any truth is, is mean. Be as mean as you want to me and give me the unadulterated truth. I want to know the truth. I don't care how it makes my eyes squint. Oh, too much light. I don't care how, listen, I go from, from the meanest, like most out of line people. I take the words and go to prayer with God and I say, Lord, is there truth in this? They were absolute idiots, jerks, so nasty, so unacceptable, so out of line, so disrespectful. But this is between me and you. Is there any ounce of truth in any of that? And we go to God and say, go ahead, Lord, slay me, shine your light, rip what you want out of this heart of mine, because I want you. You are central. Everyone say central. And just for Steve Arson, I'll turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus must be central. Colossians 2. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. This is what I'm talking about. This is a warning in the Bible. According to the elemental, ele elemental or elementary principles, elemental spirits, these are all different translations of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you've been filled by him who is the head of all rule and authority. Christ, the central. He is central. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made not with, with hands. He's talking about something different. A circumcised heart where your flesh is cut off. So that you might be Stunning and brilliant and attractive and in his likeness rather than our smelly, stinky human form of fallenness. Having been buried with him in baptism, hallelujah, shout if you've been baptized in the past year. Yeah, come on. 
in which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in trespass and uncircumcision of your flesh, just say, yuck. <laughs> oh, come on. You could do better than that. Circumcision and yuck. Just say, yuck. Good. You guys are on it. Wake up. Okay. There's coffee after church. <laughs> And you who are dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Say yuck. <laughs> God made alive together with him, having forgiven us for all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against you with its legal demands. Then he set aside, nailing it to the cross. God is, when it comes to judgment, folks, God is ruthless. Ruthless. He will judge the enemy. He will judge sin. And he won't say, oh, well, oh, I feel so sorry, Satan. I don't know. Maybe I don't want to judge you. No, he is full of vengeance and fiery justice. God will not let anything that is wrong go unjudged. And that is why we need Jesus to wash us and cover us and stand before us saying, perfection, they are perfect through me, through me. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. This is, I wasn't going to read all this, but I, I really want to. It's just, there's so much to this. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or festival or new moon or Sabbath. They are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on to detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that's from God. Oh, let that be the church. I got to say it again because it just sounded so amazing. Holding fast to the head, Christ, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that's from God. Oh, I want to grow with a growth that's from God, not from the devil or the world or even other people. I want supernatural acceleration growth, like transformation that's beyond human means. Come on, guys. Come on. Yeah, if, you, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not, touch, do, do not taste, do not touch, Referring to things that perish. According to human precepts and teaching, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh, which flesh means your stinking thinking, your attitudes, your concoctions of rationalizations, and lies, and deceitfulness, and criticism, and self-blame-shifting, on and on and on and on. Here's where it gets really exciting. I'm going to wrap this baby, land the plane, Steve Arsenault. 
After this, after this whole story on this rich young ruler, Jesus turns to his disciples. Okay, guys. I'll be back because I'm going to go and just look at faces over there and charge hearts. But I'll be back. Someone else said that too. A historical figure, actually. Oh, oh, look at everyone in the foyer. <laughs> wow. It's a really good practice. Stephen, Josiah, Stephanie, you should really try to like uh, do this because I think it's going to cut down on people talking out there. Oh, what? Is there anything here? No, I'm looking for something to put my stuff on. Do we have, can someone run over a music stand? Hello? <laughs> There's someone eating dinner back there. <laughs> so when Jesus is there, he's with his disciples. And this is, this is like a human, they might fall. Your thumbs need to be lower. There we go. Here it is. <laughs> it's okay. We can wait. Suspense, just like a good movie, right? Oh, that's okay, bro. Really. I could just go like this. And then maybe I could look like Tim Pierce. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. Oh, not like this. Yeah, Tim is fit, right? So... Thanks, Steve. I appreciate the encouragement. So Jesus is looking around and he's with all his disciples. And after he says this whole parable and has this whole time with this, this person that's seeking him and went away grieved because God showed him love. Jesus looked around to his disciples and said, how hard for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus responded again and said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Now, listen, he just dropped off the whole richness wealth thing. Now it's even more expanded because they were shocked. Like, they were so shocked that they start turning to Jesus and they, they say, then who can be saved? Because we're not even talking about rich people anymore. We're talking about everybody, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of heaven. Looking to them, Jesus said, with people, it is impossible. When self is central, folks, there is no salvation. When self is central, when it's regarding human beings, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to be saved by God. In fact, the Bible goes even into more explanation and says that when where selfish ambition and seeking are, all manner of wickedness is there. I mean, that, that's like you want to go into the depths of hell and, 
and demonic activity, seek yourself. If you do it in one little aspect of your life, one little aspect, all hell will show up in that place because you have opened the door, because you made yourself central. Doesn't matter how little of an area you give him, the minute you seek yourself, you invite every demonic host and power to be engaged and active because you have declared self is Lord over that. And that is the invitation of hell. Hell loves self. So this awesome thing that God says with people, it is impossible, but not with God for all things are possible with God. That is the key of the gospel, that we abandon ourselves and make Jesus the Lord and the Savior. And listen, this preparation we're talking about, like, like all right now, you want to know what God is doing on the earth? He's preparing his church. He's preparing his church to be He's far more concerned about just the being part, like preparing you, getting you established in the faith. You know, this is why we do first principles. It is for one thing, not to tie all the teachers up, leading all these groups for two years. It's so you'll be established for real in an authentic faith that's lived out and expressed. That's where all the labor goes. We're like saying, Lord, what would, you, what would you like of us? And he's like, I want you to establish my people. Feed my sheep, right? Another echo from scripture. Feed my sheep. Well, how do you feed them? You give them what they need so they're nourished and balanced, right? And then this identity of knowing God and knowing his nature and knowing that you are loved, like walking in such confidence, not like the rich young ruler who once I'm sure felt that, once experienced this place of, I am a son of God, but he lost it internally. All his actions said one thing, but his heart longed for some kind of security that he let go of. That first love. Come on, folks. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone ever been in love with anybody? Raise your hands. Come on. Every man, raise your hand. Dang it, if you're married. <laughs> you remember when you lost your mind and you had butterflies in your heart and the phone rang and you're like, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if you had zero in your checking account. You're like, dang, where's that credit card? She asked me out on a date. It's like you don't even think Unfortunately, I'm sorry, Ramsey people, like, like that's why you're here. You're here to try to pull people back into sensibility. But when hormones kick in and emotions, you're like, wah, anything goes, yes. That's wrong, wrong. Turn to your neighbor and say wrong, that's wrong. Steve, Steve, I'm watching you. Let's turn to your neighbor. That's Steve's eternal stance. If you can just get a photo right now of this with him staring at his phone. He's looking up the scripture though. That's what he's doing. He's reading his, 
his phone Bible. The point is here, I love Steve, and he knows it. He's a, he's a sarcastic New Englander who loves sarcasm back. And we've known each other a long time, so he can take this, and he loves it. We're really close. This is our, our romance, our, our ways of showing affection and deep concern and care for one another. Everyone loves you, Steve. Yep, bring it for a landing. Steve distracted me. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Okay, let's just put all joking aside here. God's really concerned this preparation is that we can become who he wants us to be. Know God and know who we are in his sight. And then, that's not the end though. We don't stop there. God wants to bring us into a whole new way of life, a life that lives out the impossible. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The emphasis isn't on much of an achievement as it on, is on willingness to allow Christ's power to sustain us in scarcity and difficulty and enhance the enjoyment of abundance and prosperity. God wants to make you so that you can become like him and then do like him. It's why Jesus said, greater works will you do because I'm going to the Father. And then just because we don't see those greater works, we blame God. When I would say it's more about our issue, that we aren't being who God's called us to be. We're trying to do what God's called us to do and skip the being part. Why? Because it's too much inconvenience. It's too uncomfortable. It's too invasive. Because we're talking about the spirit of God jumping on the inside of your life and challenging your will. And I don't like that. And if we would submit and surrender, Stephanie's new favorite word is subordinate. And someone told her, like, I don't like you using that word. That's so, like, intense. And she's like, no, that's what it is. It's truth. Subordination to God. Total surrender. He's either your Lord or he's not. So, this whole idea, though, is because he loves you and wants to show himself mighty through you. I love, I want to close with this one story in 2 Kings 6.17. It's one of my favorite stories because it shows how we just, we don't see what we need to see, folks. Like, in this story, you know, Elisha is trapped in this town, just to summarize everything, people are really upset at him. So people are coming. They surround this town with all of these armies and they're getting ready to go after him, find him and take him and deal with this prophet because they're not happy with him. 
So his servant comes flying through the door. Elijah, have you looked out the window? Like I went to get some water and look at this. We're surrounded. We're doomed. It's over. And Elisha just goes, um, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire. And this is what the Lord wants to do, but we can't see when we aren't made into his likeness. When self is the center, you can't see properly. When Christ is the center, he opens your eyes to see the reality of what is taking place. And that's what I'm challenging you for. This isn't, this is a hard message in that it, it challenges us to be honest with God and be responsive and allow him to do what he wants to do in our life. But it is not just so that we can be miserable. It's so that we walk in this place of abundance and unlimited vision that we can see how things really are and not this finite, like we're walking in a box. Like there's so much more for us, church, so much more. We have so much that God wants to do in us, but we won't let him because we won't let him make us what he wants us to be. We're holding on to our own stuff. We're holding on to ourself. He's the healer. He's the redeemer. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be in healthy, wonderful relationships. If you're in conflicted relationships, you need to like just center on Christ and listen to him. He has a way to either lead you out or reconcile. He loves you. He wants to prosper you, but he doesn't want you to fall prey to idol worship and go to hell. So perhaps if things aren't going as planned, one possible solution or under or scenario is that he's trying to save you from yourself literally. So anyway, we have a Holy Spirit that lives in us. And right now, I am positive that through this message, because he promises he'll do it, that he's been speaking to you about your life and your heart. And God's not doing it to make you shamed. He's not doing it to make you feel condemned. The enemy is surely there trying to say, listen, you are a rotten piece of filth. And you know, even with this hopeful message, you're, you have no chance. Well, you need to say to hell with you, devil, go to hell. And you need to just say, Lord, thank you for this opportunity where you are sparking desire in my heart to be like you. And take these things, whatever, how silly they may sound. You know, when you're mature in the faith, it's the small things that spoil the vine. It's the small things that God's like, I know, I know you're seeking me in general, but there's this one thing. So let's just begin to respond to God now. And worship team, I'm putting you on the spot, but could you do I worship you to live? 
I just feel like that song's been just resounding in my heart for like a week now. I, I sang it a whole hour in one of the prayer blocks and I just couldn't get off it. It's just the power of God. It's just the, the whole idea that we, I worship you to live. I worship to live. I live to worship you. This concept. Let's just take a minute. Let's seek God here and like respond to him. Don't get caught up in dead religion here. Let's really respond. What is it that God is asking you to do? What is it that he is calling you to? to God here. Come on. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live. To worship you. To worship Take it all, Lord God. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live. To worship you. Oh 
you're in this place, I just want to pray right now. If you're here and you and you you say like, you know, I have not had an authentic first love relationship with Jesus. I followed some religion and I may have once had butterflies in my heart for the Lord. Such a sense of security in my salvation. But I don't right now. I want to call you in this place to just come up front right now and meet with Jesus. I just hardly ever do this. I just felt like we needed a call. Come. If that's you, just come. If you say, I want to renew a first love. I want to lay my life down at the altar before the Lord in a whole new, fresh way. Just come. We're just going to continue to worship. going to wait. Come. Just come. Just come before the Lord. It's it's a rekindling of first love. It's a rekindling of Christ is the center. Nothing else compares, Lord. You're my life. You're the reason I live. Oh, Lord, forgive me for letting you go to second love. Come on, he's setting hearts ablaze. He's going to do something fresh today. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. Oh, Lord, nothing else matters. It's you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. so strongly. God is calling hearts back. Forget about your religious, like all the bunk in your head saying, but you've accepted Jesus. If you come forward now, what will people think? Who cares? That is the point. Christ is central. Christ is central. Christ is central. Not yourself, not your emotions, not your thoughts in your head. Christ. If you're here, come and just Lay your heart at the altar. Come on. Rekindle first love.
worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. Come on, elders, life group leaders. Just come and start surrounding the people up front. Just pray for them. Don't be invasive, though. Let them just seek the Lord. Just surround them in prayer and intercession. Hold off. Give them some time to just be with the Lord and just start to cover people in prayer and intercession. Oh, Lord, return your church to you. Lord, we declare you are central. You are the one thing. Let all other things fade away, Lord. It's all about you, God. All about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for everything I've made it. It's all about you. there's someone here in this church building that hey it could be at home as well but you've just recently said Lord if you're real show me and God's calling you down to the altar so he could show you if that's you respond to God just come and let him show you his power and his love